And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, along with Cheryl Jones and Open Lines with Cheryl this hour. Cheryl, are you all ready for Halloween? Well, I guess you would say as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Do you get a lot of kids coming to the door? Uh, I, I really don't get a lot, so that's probably pretty good in this day and age because I think people are getting more and more cautious about um, going out and trick-or-treating. It's a, it's a, the, the events seem to be far more controlled by parents. What did you like about trick-or-treating when you were a kid? Oh, I liked coming up with the different costumes and outfits and thinking that nobody knew who I really was, and then I could fool them, but of course I never did. But <laughs> it was always fun, and then to see how much candy you could get. But it is a different time these days. I remember sometimes going to houses, and instead of candy, they would give us money. But uh, there was a guy who would give us, like, uh, a nickel. And this is way, way back years ago. And I'd look in my bag and go, I don't want this. <laughs> well, that would probably be a, a real treat in this day and age if uh, if people gave out money. Yeah, but not a nickel. No, no, no not a nickel. <laughs> worth a lot more than it is now. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Robert in New York. Let's go to Joe in Long Island. There you go, Joe. You're participating in our double calls tonight. Yeah, I'm double tipping here. That could be the costume, right? Uh, how do you like that? Has, uh, how do you like that new little policy? Uh, well, I, I think it's good because sometimes, uh, you know, people, people are trying to uh, participate in both, you know, uh, that type of thing. Yeah, and they're two different forms. You know, the open lines are yeah. different from the guest calls. Yeah. Before I get to my question for Cheryl, uh, on the WHO, I did read an article on my site where University of Chicago law professor on international law went over the treaties that they're trying to do and called them a despicable organization. But uh, my question is... Uh, you know, I, I think you were a fan, Cheryl, of Gone with the Wind, right? Uh, and I thought the ending of that movie, I'm not sure if I would have ended the movie like that, where they separated. I'm wondering if you read Margaret Mitchell's second book on that. No, I haven't. I'd like to, yeah. but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Yeah. What did, uh, what did you like about it, Joe? I just thought it was uh, just a fascinating character. Uh, a couple of things was uh, she may, she had this obsession with Ashley uh, and didn't pivot to like a second choice guy, and uh, which was which was fine. The, the, Clark Gable character, you know, she never really got over her obsession, and they, but yet, you know, she, and another thing was just some of the haunting scenes when Atlanta was burning, she was, went under a, 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 a tunnel on horseback at night, a really riveting scene, and then she was a nurse on the field, and she was just like, like, really just what's happening like all these people are just laying on the field with these injuries like and she seemed like really otherwise like the a normal level-headed person 
and this carnage was around her, and I thought that was a fascinating contrast, like just how she was really like, other, other than her obsession with the guy, she was really like kind of a strong, level-headed woman, and just the carnage around her was just like, she was just like, what's going on, you know? Joe, you got to become a movie critic one day. He'd be pretty good, Cheryl, wouldn't he? I think he'd be excellent. Cool. Let's go next to Robert in New York. Welcome to the show. Hey, Robert. Well, thank you, uh, George. Great to always speak to you again. And hey, yeah. uh, thank you, sir. As a loyal listener, and um, like to ask Cheryl if uh, she has, or if Mr. Hartsman's has any specific um, um, knowledge regarding orbs. And as someone who has experienced orbs right up and close, several of them uh, over. Uh, period of time, they seem to have uh, an intelligence because they don't just flash. They they move, they blink on, they blink off. And I had one flash right in the uh, in my face years ago, looking through a screen in the in the window, uh, uh, and um, they came right up that close. It was there was nothing there, and all of a sudden it flashed on and literally temporarily blinded me for a while and it felt like I had just been through uh, having a an, uh, an x-ray I, I closed my eyes and, and it felt like I could see my skeleton orbs are pretty fascinating Cheryl have you had any experience with them uh, they are pretty fasc- fascinating and a lot of people uh, report that they've had those experiences I've only had one picture that had a a very visible orb in it, and uh, that was a long time ago, and and it was in a barn <laughs> on the farm that I grew up on. So, uh, but but it wasn't during the time that I was on the, the that I lived on the farm, but years later. But it's very very strange, and a lot of people associated a, a lot of paranormal events uh, along with those. During World War II, pilots saw little orbs flying all over the place. They called them Foo Fighters. And uh, they look like and appear to have some intelligence behind them. Uh, yes, that seems to be the uh, a very common association with them. And that is something, George, I just don't know that we will ever really know all the answers to all of these things that we want to know about that, that are so mysterious because it seems like the control of that information to us is not in our control. That's a good point. Cornelius is with us in Louisiana. Hello there, Mr. White. Welcome to the program. Hey there, George and Cheryl. Uh, Now, George, I just told Tommy a minute ago um, that demon video is Cornelius Lawson White on YouTube, but say demon video, and it'll show up or type in demon. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Okay. But it would be great for a carousel because here you got a coast caller that actually had a demon in the city council of Alexandria, Louisiana. Now, uh, with you, George, and you just had Joe from Long Island on, and I guess he called in earlier on the first guest and stuff. I I kind of disagree with you on, on having that thing because there are people that's been trying to get in for years, and, and they just never have been able to get in because I've talked to some of them. And but you have a right to do what you. This is your show. You run it the way you want to. Just like when you said Ian Punnett, no regular callers for Ian Punnett. I don't want them. But um, Cheryl, I was wanted to talk to 
uh, Karen Wilkerson, and I told Tommy yesterday, being an African-American. That was yesterday's guest. Huh? That was yesterday's guest. Yeah, yesterday. But I know, but I wanted to tell Cheryl, and I wanted to tell her. But anyway, on yesterday's guest, and Cheryl, too, African-Americans, have you ever heard of them being abducted, male or female? I know Barney Hill was, but have you ever heard of any female abductees? God bless you, George. God bless you, Cheryl. Y'all take it easy now. Thank you. I'm sure there have been some, Cheryl, but uh, I don't know the names of them. Do you? I don't either. It's too bad he left the the line because he perhaps may have known more about that than than we know off the top of our heads. But Barney Hill, of course, he was African-American, and he was one of them who was abducted back in the, the early 60s. Right. That's, uh, that's true. Um, right. I, I don't know. Next up, let's go to John in Wisconsin. Take it away. Hi, John. Hello, George. Hello, Cheryl. Just have a couple of quick comments, please. Um, Cheryl, I wanted to thank you for your contributions to Coast to Coast. Uh, I look forward to the last Thursday of the month and uh, your investigative reporters. And uh, It's always interesting. Uh, you ask good questions and you have good clarity and wisdom, and I want to thank you uh, for that, Cheryl. And then my other comment is I just wanted to thank Coast to Coast for being a place where anybody can call in and George respects the guests, he respects the callers. And I tell people in my little realm where I live in Wisconsin that coast to coast brings healing, peace, and harmony. And Cheryl, your segments always bring interesting new things for us to learn. And so I just wanted to thank both of you and encourage you both to keep up the good work. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. And uh... Very kind of you, John. And, and yes, that's one thing, long before I ever thought about becoming uh, a part of Coast to Coast, uh, I, I was a listener way back in the Art Bell days. Um, I always thought the very same thing and the very point that he brought out, how nice it is, no matter what the guest says or their opinion, they are truly welcome, uh, callers as well, because it is a place where you can express your opinion without uh, – being criticized or yelled at or thrown off the show. <laughs> Can you believe it's coming up in April? Six years since Art has passed on? It doesn't seem Six that years, my gosh. I was on the show with him once when Richard Hoagland uh, and I both were down at the Miami Circle story. So we were kind of uh, teaming up and, and both on the show at the same time. Where'd the time go, Cheryl? It just flies by. It just flies by. I really kind of think we're in some sort of a time warp sometimes. We might be. Next up, let's go to Mary in New Jersey. Hi, Mary. Go ahead. Hello, Cheryl. Um, I'm sure when you look up in the sky looking for UFOs, you notice the birds and the bees. I have a question. Which came first, the naming of the UFO or the naming of the uterus, fallopian tubes, ovaries or ovum. Uh, did the doctor name them first or did the UFO people come first? Hmm. Well, that's a question I don't think I can even answer, Cheryl. I'll bet you've done some research on that. What, do you, what can you tell us about that? What do you think, Mary? Did we lose Mary? Mary's probably gone. Hmm. 
It's a bizarre question, though, isn't it? That's not something I'd ever thought about. When Kenneth Arnold discovered the, the flying disks back in 1947, I don't think they called them UFOs then, did they? Flying saucers. They were flying saucers. That's what they were, and then we kind of changed it. UFOs and now to UAPs, but I don't think the UAP has really stuck as well as they hoped it would. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. What are you going to say? UAPology? Or you are apologizing? Let's go to Denver in Jackson, Mississippi. Hey, Denver. Well, good evening, and thanks for this opportunity to communicate on Coast to Coast. Thank you, And sir. I'm praying and that you and Cheryl be blessed because I appreciate the work that y'all are doing. Well, very kind but, of you. Thank you. But two things I'd like to uh, talk about. Uh, the sighting I experienced while I was living in Topeka, Kansas in 1976 and about uh, Riley Martin. Cheryl, did Cheryl ever read the book that Riley Martin wrote, The Cunner of Tan? Did you read Riley Martin's? He used to be on our show a long time ago. No. Tell me about uh, what you're asking you about. Need to. You need to read it. Because in 1953, he was seven years old, and he was abducted. And they would come back every 11 years and pick him up. And they let it go on for 33 years. Then they gave him permission to have hypnotists put on him. He was hypnotized. All his memory came back. But I was so amazed with his book. He was Afro-American. He was Afro-American. Yep. I emailed him. And then we talked on the phone several times. And we got into a good conversation, and I really was impressed with his experience. And these people that picked him up were 600 million years more advanced than we are, but they didn't know everything, you know. And they explained to him they contacted us by our DNA, not by random pickup, you know. Interesting take. A nice little puppy in the background. I love little animals like that, Cheryl. That's not mine. <laughs> no, that was his. <laughs> but it sounded like a little what? A little chihuahua? Could be. Thanks for the call, Denver. Jeremy in North Dakota. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, George. I want to thank you. For, for what? For what? My website. It was, uh, I got contacted by a lady from Alberta, Canada, and we started conversing via email. And after I got to be friends with her, I gave her my text number, and we have been contacting each other every day via text and getting to know each other better. And her name is Veronica. She's from Alberta, Canada. And um, I think she's the one that got to my life. Well, how about that? So it's working out for you. Yeah, she's actually even giving me a few phone calls. All right, good for you, Jeremy. Coast listeners are like family, Cheryl. You know that? Uh, yes, they are, because it takes a certain kind of person to be as loyal as the listeners are to Coast. And, uh, I, you know, my hat's off to you and, and obviously to the late Art Bell, because what you two did um, is just really incredible, and it, uh, it's, it's just phenomenal. Can you believe I'm going into my 21st year doing this program? Hard to believe that. My I, gosh. I, I know. It, it just is amazing. And I'm going into, well, I've, I've been with you guys for four years now. But you, by the way, are ageless. I remember trying to hire you in Detroit as a weathercaster when you were in Kansas City. And you were just a kid then. 
I guess I was. I didn't realize it. I say I was three at the time, but uh, yes, I was time. We wonder what you know what our paths would have been had we taken different pathways or made different choices. That was always a very difficult thing for me to do. I I looked at everything upside down all around, and when I had to make those decisions at the end of every contract. What was I going to do? Which job was I going to take? I was fortunate that I had a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities come my way, but I just wasn't psychic to see into the future to be sure that the one I was taking was the right one. Let's get a quick question in from you, Alex, in Delaware. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, George. I've been a long-time listener since 98, uh, about a first-time caller. Thank you. And I'm going to throw a wrench into this whole thing. Um, All right. I think nobody has seen this angle before. What if we have this all backwards and everybody thinks that these are aliens? What if this is really God's way of keeping an eye on us? And this is, there are no aliens. These are just the form that angels and demons take on and and they keep an eye on us, and they come by, and they visit, and they 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 see us, and they interact. But there are really no aliens. This is just you know angels and demons. Maybe the fallen angels that the Bible talks about. You can't rule that out, Alex, because that is a possibility. And there are some people in the field of ufology who still believe the fact that UFOs and ETs are demons and. Uh, not very, they're kind of nefarious. Uh, not easy, Cheryl, is it? It's not easy. Uh, likewise, there are people, plenty of people, who believe that that there are some very good healing uh, aliens, and there's a lot of history on that. Uh, and then a lot of people believe that, that it's like everything else. There are good and evil um, aliens, and I... I who knows? We don't know. We, we, we can't prove what we believe. But if I had to bet and I was really making a choice, my guess would be that there are uh, both good and, and evil. Could be. Cheryl, we're going to come back and wrap things up with you in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Cheryl, we will see you the week after Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? And then before you know it, it'll be Christmas and then New Year's all over again. I mean, what a fast year, to be sure. Cheryl, thanks for everything you do for us. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the callers. Cheryl's website is her name, and she ends her name with two L's, by the way, C-H-E-R-Y-L-L-Jones.com, which we've got linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. A lot of people want to know about tarot cards, witchcraft, and the occult. And the author, Marcus Katz, he's the one who knows about all of them. Where are you, way out in the United Kingdom? Um, yes, that's right. I'm in a very small cottage out in the woods in the Lake District of the United Kingdom where there's an owl hooting outside um, this morning. <laughs> I think it's a cockerel. It's trying to tell people to wake up. <laughs> I love it. What time is it out there? Um, it's um, just uh, 8 um, 10 past 8 a.m. Yeah, okay, and uh, I'm in the, the Midwest right now where it's 2.10 in the morning. and then uh, so We're already time-traveling together. That's yes, excellent. we sure are, we sure. Hey, beyond the bio, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your interest in, in all this. 
Okay, well, um, um, uh, first of all, just a quick shout out to all of the people on your uh, very engaged Facebook group, <laughs> which um, Great. Um, are doing a, a blow by blow commentary of um, the interviews, which I perhaps shouldn't have read in advance of, of this. <laughs> Um, but I first learned um, to get engaged with magic um, at school. Um, I went to a really progressive school here in the UK, and um, our religious studies class actually brought in a teacher, um, a new age teacher or somebody to talk to our class about the new age. And this lady brought in um, a, um, a pendulum, a dowsing rod, a pack of tarot cards, astro astrology charts, and um, we had a two-hour lesson on um, on basically the esoteric, the occult, um, fortune-telling, prediction, and astrology. And we were all told to go out dowsing um, as our sort of school activity that afternoon. And um, some friends and I went out dowsing with these homemade uh, dowsing rods from um, metal coat hangers and um, biro pens, um, big biro pens. Um, and um, we found this line running across the playing fields. And we went back to our, our teacher and said, um, this is really odd. It, it seems to work. We've, we found this line. And he said, well, a, a what, what are you going to do about that? Apply it scientifically. And so we went and found the janitor. Um, in here, here we call it um, he's the caretaker, but the janitor. And um, we asked him to find the maps for the school. Uh, we found the maps, and um, surely enough, we'd found the, um, the water pipe that ran underneath the playing fields from the tennis courts to the swimming pool. And I was completely blown away. I thought that, that there are things we can't see. There are things that we can't sense somehow. And there are these hidden mysteries buried under the ground. And um, I went and made myself a tarot deck that weekend, started reading tarot. And um, here I am about 35 years later with um, 10,000 readings or so um, behind me. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Were you fascinated with magic? When you were a little yeah. boy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, astral travel, um, uh, Doctor Strange, who's about to make his own cinema um, screen comeback, um, all of that sort of thing was um, fascinated me. So um, I remember buying a book on magic, um, a very cheap book. Um, it was almost, a, it wasn't quite mail order, but it was equivalent. Um, and it had a spell in. The book was called Winning with Witchcraft. And um, the spell was simply to get a coin and to wave it at the moon and to recite this particular spell. So I think I was about 13. I went outside that night and um, I only had a, um, a small coin, like a, a, a one pence piece or a five pence piece. And I waved it at the moon, and I earnestly um, recited this little spell. And um, forgot about it. The following morning, um, my dad, who'd been out um, that night, and that's why I was able to stand outside the house and chanting um, weird occult spells at the moon. Um, uh, my dad, in the morning at breakfast, he said to me, well, um, you know, last night I was I had to go and pick your grandfather up from the train station and stuff like this. Um, now, 
Um, he wanted to pay me for petrol, but um, um, I, I said I, I didn't want the money, but he insisted, so I thought I'd give it to you. And my dad handed me this £5 note. So <laughs> I was completely blown away. And the weirdest thing was, was the first thing, and this happens a lot with magic, the first thing I thought was not, my God, I did this money spell last night and magic works and the whole occult world has opened up to me. The first thing I thought as a 13-year-old was, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have weighed more money at the moon. Exactly. <laughs> I would have got more money. But the interesting thing with that and the thing that I keep coming back to in later years is, um, and this sort of, I guess, fits the time travel theme of, of, of the show at the moment, is that the money had already been given to my father before I did the spell. Uh, how did that so, happen? Well, I started to think that perhaps um, that time doesn't quite work the way we think it does. And um, I'm huh. no expert in, in the realms of time travel or um, uh, time science, but I do know from um, 35, 40 years of doing spells that um, time and, and also prediction as well through, um, uh, through fortune-telling, through tarot, um, there's something there's something definitely amiss with our perception of time, and perhaps it will take us a, a long time, if you'll pardon the pun, to actually um, work it out. Yeah. But it, it's, it's certainly um, observable and manifest when you get involved in occultism and when you do spells, when you do um, uh, tarot readings and so forth. Did you ever, even during uh, your initiation ever get involved in something that you thought was a little dangerous or something you shouldn't be dabbling with? Well, I think I've, I've been rather lucky over, over the years because, um, strangely enough, I mean, over the years, the only sort of hate or conflict, for example, um, which can be somewhat dangerous, I have had um, um, more recently a death threat, um, has always come from within mm. the communities that I've been involved with. Um, within the tarot world or within the esoteric world. It's never come from, you know, um, um, secret orders thinking that I'm going to reveal their secrets or uh, Christian fundamentalists or um, scientists or any other group. I've, I've always seemed to have, um, touch wood, managed to get along um, with um, um, most groups. However, I, th I think the psychological dangers of working with occultism um, are probably perhaps what, what, uh, far more prevalent than... Um, I, I have seen people sort of become obsessed or possessed by the things that they've been working with, and um, that's not all the way into the whole paranormal sort of realm of... Um, um, you, you know, spirit possession and things like this. It's um, they, they've become completely disassociated with normal or everyday or mundane or common reality. And I think it's very important to keep um, uh, keep a grip of every world that you're functioning in, whether it's the esoteric, the astral, the etheric, um, the spiritual, or or the everyday world of perception. So I, I think that's where. 
where dabbling can go go a little bit wrong. Um, yeah. Marcus, I've always thought tarot was merely to be read by the user about someone else, but you've used it uh, in terms of casting spells and using it as magic. How does that work? Well, um, there are a, a lot of different ways of using tarot. Um, one of the greatest things of the um, Internet over the last few years has been um, uh, the, the, the sheer diversity of divination that, that we've seen, particularly in our Facebook group. I mean, we have about uh, something like 22,000 people in our Facebook group now for tarot. And yet there's a massive diversity um, of um, ways of using tarot. Um, one of the particular ways we've started to use it a lot is what we call gated spreads. And the gated spread is a method by which you do a tarot reading like people would be familiar with. But then the tarot reading is designed to actually provoke some action in your life. So, for example, um, you might do a tarot reading for, um, uh, we might tell people to do a tarot reading that will determine how they're going to act during that day. Are they going to act like the king of cups and be all emotional, or are they going to act like a king of wands and be very dynamic and argue with people, argue their own points, and, and be very um, um, uh, assertive in the world that particular day? And then what we do is the second day, because these experiences last about a week usually, give them another spread or have already developed another spread that then takes what happened to them during that day and it feeds it into that other spread like a sort of gateway. Um, so, for example, if that person um, was uncomfortable at some point acting out as another part of their personality during the day, then the second spread says, taking that discomfort, what does the tarot have to teach you for tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And basically, it provides a series of engineered spreads for the person to change their life over the course of a week. And that can lead to, um, we have gated spreads for um, promoting creativity, but also talking to the ancient Egyptian god Thoth, um, using Alistair Crowley's Thoth deck, and we have all sorts of gated spreads for working with relationships, actually um, attracting a relationship and working with a relationship and things like that. So tarot can be used very uh, far more dynamically than, than people think. It is, a, it is connected to the universe. It, it arises in the universe just like we do, and um, therefore it can be uh, used as um, I think Kircher said um, about magnetism, it's like the invisible knots that bind the universe, and tarot is one of those knots that we can both tie different knots and unravel them um, by changing our own lives with it. Marcus, have you found that tarot or witchcraft uh, can be used for nefarious purposes uh, to get at somebody? Well, again, we, we, we do get this question a lot about curses and so forth. Um, my own view on that is that um, because of the way I've seen magic work, um, I think it's very, very difficult to pull off a nefarious stunt with magic. That's why um, most magicians aren't... Um, 
you know, sort of living in um, vast um, um, uh, deserted volcano hangouts ruling the world. Um, well, as, as far as I know. Um, but um, the, the, the fail-safe, I think, with magic is that the more you understand, the more you learn about both magic and mysticism, the less... Um, uh, the, the, the less desire you have really to um, towards very material or very egotistic things. So it, it has its own safeguard in that way. But also, as Alistair Crowley pointed out, the, the trick with magic, and again, it's why um, you know, we can't all immediately spend our lives waving pennies at moons or dimes at moons and um, becoming rich overnight, otherwise everyone would be doing it. Um, uh, the, the trick is what is called uh, working without lust of result. You have to want something absolutely and at the same time get out of its way actually let go of it with the spell itself, with the, with the magical working. And so that's its own protection as well, because it's very difficult to, um, for example, hate someone and be totally disengaged with that person um, uh, within oneself. So the actual state of being that you need to cast the spell outwards um, it's very, very difficult to, um, to enter into, um, no matter what sort of ceremony or methodology you use. Um, so quite often those spells actually fester and rebound straight back to the person casting them right. because they cannot cast them out. I mean, that's why the word is casting a spell. You have to cast it out of you. And um, quite often people with nefarious um, ends in mind um, very attached to those because it does give them some sense of power and control, and therefore it tends to eat them rather than the other person. Well, I've always called it karma. What goes around comes around, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that sense of cause and effect. Um, the more spells that that work for the person, the more you realize that everything is arising simultaneously. Therefore, everything's connected. Therefore, you better be careful even what you think because that is going to have some impact on the world that is being created around you. What a fascinating guy. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDesour, Stephanie Smith, Chris Boros, Tim Benal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett, I'm George Norrie somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.